El Salvador has already taken a lot of steps to attract citizens to live in El Salvador. As you may know, El Salvador had the highest rate of expatriating out of the country. People were leaving a lot, huge rates. And now it's almost evened out as many people leave it as um, how many people come in to live in the country, which is huge. Like changing that in a matter of three years, it's crazy. So um, again, making Bitcoin a legal tender in a country attracted a huge amount of capital and interest towards the country. Now there was a new um, bill showing that they're trying to lower taxes for uh, corporate entities that are yeah. working in the tech industry. That's huge too. That's how you attract capital. That's how you attract talent that builds big things. Um, so that's another one. And I just went along with this, like, how else can El Salvador bring more capital, bring more people into the country um, and thrive? Citizenship by investment, it's so familiar to me that I saw an opportunity for El Salvador to just launch a very similar citizenship by investment program as the ones that are out there in the world. Hello guys, welcome once again to Bitcoiner, the podcast for Bitcoiners from El Salvador into the world. Today we have the great pleasure to, to talk with Katie. She's from Plan B Passport. And uh, first of all, th thank you for being here. Thank you for your time and, and welcome. Absolute pleasure. Happy to be here. Thank you. So, you know, it's it's, it's really funny that um, the timing, because I was in contact with you and we were going to... I was going to, when I invited you to the podcast, because I I was really curious with the the Plan B passport. Actually, I saw uh, your interview with Peter Mark Carmack on what Bitcoin did, and I was really interested in that. But uh, then <laughs> a couple of days ago, I just saw uh, a tweet and your proposal, your article on uh, Bitcoin Magazine about uh, citizenship by investment and we're going to talk about that uh later on but i was like wow the, the timing is perfect so uh but before going uh, dive into it uh maybe for those that don't know you can can uh, we talk a little talk about a little bit about your background where are you from yeah and... absolutely happy to so, hey, you all. Um, my name is Katie, Katie the Russian on Twitter. Um, I was born and raised in Russia, as you might guess. Um, and when I was 21, I moved to the United States. Um, and being an immigrant myself, it gave me a really good perspective on what the world of immigration looks like. I had a, an interesting story throughout my immigration journey. I was abandoned by an immigration lawyer here in the United States. The moment I paid her the fees she basically disappeared on me stopped responding to my phone calls stopped oh. responding to my emails um so i had to basically go through the immigration and like self-represent my own case and for a 21 year old girl who barely speaks english it was quite a challenge but i was able to handle it and i got my green card for people with quote-unquote extraordinary abilities and um that gave me a really good start of understanding how the world of immigration works, uh, what you should be prepared for, how it's way more customized and way more, I'd say not precise as you would have expected. Like when you go register a car, you know exactly the steps. But in the world of immigration, things are so different. A lot of it is just the human connection to, interestingly enough, a lot of it is just being able to present things in the way this country is used to. So basically, this experience gave me a great start for the company that I currently own um, and CEO of, Plan B Passport. Um, at Plan B Passport, we help Bitcoiners all over the world to obtain second citizenship or residencies for their benefits. Um, those two topics, basically Bitcoin and we call it flag theory, uh, they go hand in hand really well because both of them are um, working towards increasing freedom of the individual, bringing the power back to the individual, 
Um, and both of them are kind of in the frame of being the prepper. Um, while it's not necessarily a prepper, like for me, but um, yeah, there's kind of like similarities in between. So I felt extremely aligned when I stepped upon the concept of this flag theory because I was already a Bitcoiner, I was already a libertarian. And I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I should be doing. Um, and yeah, four years ago, I started this business. We've been growing. Um, I absolutely love what we do. I love working with Bitcoiners all over the, wor the world. Those are the best clients, just again, because we're so aligned philosophically. It's, it's almost a pleasure to work with. To, yeah. to work with people like that. Sorry, my computer got unplugged. I got plugged it back in. You mentioned uh, a couple of times uh, the flag theory. And so for people that don't know, actually, I I first heard of, about it in in the other podcast that, that you did with Peter McCormack. And actually, I think it's really interesting, the concept. So uh, can you explain to people why is, what is the flag theory? Yeah. The way um, the way I define flag theory is the way of limiting your dependency on any one particular state by stacking flags in jurisdictions that are beneficial for you in various ways. So um, just to give you an example, a residency. Okay, let me let me give you a, a little prehistory. When the flag theory first appeared, people called it three flags theory because they meant that you need your residential jurisdiction, your second passport elsewhere, and your bank account elsewhere, right? Three jurisdictions. Then it turned into five flag theory. Then it turned into seven flag theory. And the number of flags kept growing because you really try and centralize your assets. You basically try to place different important parts of your life in different jurisdictions uh, again for your benefits for your protection etc i believe that with bitcoin coming into play the number of flags actually went down and we should touch on it a little later but again just to give you a better example you were born in one country you hold this passport and you actually live in the or no let's say you were just born there it was a weak passport um you can't travel to Europe, you can't travel to the United States, um, you have you need visa everywhere. So you decide to obtain a stronger passport via investment. You go mm -hmm. for a Caribbean passport because it's uh, 160 countries visa-free or visa on arrival. So now you can travel freely. On top of it, you decide that, oh, this country is actually pretty cool. There's a good community uh, or it's better for work or something else. And you obtain residency through work, through skills, through investment. There are different ways. You obtain residency there. Now you realize that corporate taxes are pretty damn high in that jurisdiction. So you decide to incorporate your legal entity elsewhere where there's no, no corporate tax. So you did that. Now you're like, okay, the corporate tax are zero, but the banking relationships suck and I can't send wire transfer anywhere. I'm going to go and open a bank account somewhere in Dubai. And just like that, you keep stacking flags in different jurisdictions for your own benefit to strategize mm. your life, to protect your assets from your from the governments that are overreaching, over like hungry for power in different jurisdictions again, um, while you know living your life happily. It really takes um, takes a toll on people to being afraid of their government or being scared that. They're going to come after your assets um, and it's only a matter of time. And of course, Bitcoin completely solved the asset protection uh, question. But still, there are jurisdictions that must be in place for you to operate properly, to uh, operate comfortably with your business, um, with your income, uh, live with your family. So that's the concept of flag theory. Okay. Oh, wow. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. And uh Okay, so I'm really curious about how you how you first discovered Bitcoin. How was your your story? How was basically your your rabbit hole journey? Yeah. So again, growing up in Russia really set me up for success in understanding Bitcoin. Right. By the time I was 21, I already seen multiple hyperinflations. My debit cards have been locked so many times. Like my account's been frozen so many times at this point. And I'm only 21. I've barely been in the world of 
finance, right? At this point, like I barely participated in the economy and I already been so exposed to how bad the system is. So uh, that really gave me a good background to, in order to understand Bitcoin later on. And then honestly, I was just in the right time in the right place. Um, I helped a Russian girl in the United States when she needed help. And then later on, she was like, well, I'm actually a producer for a TV channel in Russia. And I have this mining firm that is coming to the U.S. for a conference and they need a translator. And at this mm. point, I attended a couple of Bitcoin meetups. It was all over my head. I could not understand. Like I was trying to figure out what that is because it sounded good. It was like something about freedom, which I already was interested in. So I go to this conference as a translator. And let me tell you, at this point, I'm learning English for 10 months. Oh, from scratch, 10 months in, I'm working as a translator. I'm taking interviews uh, at the quote-unquote crypto conference. That's a good um, challenge. Like, yeah. And um, I found a person at the conference that seemed trustworthy. And I asked him, what is the best book for me to actually get a grasp on what's going on here? Like, I'm trying my best. I'm really listening carefully. I'm still so confused. And he recommended me Mastering Bitcoin. Back then it was, in my opinion, one of the best books. It was before the Bitcoin standard or anything. So that really gave me a better understanding on of what's going on from like technical perspective. And then just being on Twitter really helped me understand the values, the, the big picture of what Bitcoin is trying to do here in the world of uh, broken money and broken monetary systems. So yeah, you live, you learn. I'm still learning every day, um, especially now. So many things happening. I'm so, I'm so behind on all the developments taking place in Bitcoin. Uh, last bear market, all I was doing is paying attention to to Twitter and all the new changes. Now I'm family woman, so I have a child, a business, uh, a, a husband to take care of. So. Not that much into Ordinals or Nostra, let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, cool. Uh, cool, cool. Uh, I, I have a, a question that uh, I'm really curious about this now that they were talking, that, especially about the flag theory. Um, I, I don't know if I mentioned I, I live in Spain. Right now I'm currently living in Spain. So, but you know... Um, now that we're in the period that we're paying taxes, I, I mean, uh, there's one thing that all entrepreneurs and content creators here in Spain happen is that basically they go to to Andorra or Portugal because the the, the taxes are really high. So, um, a question that I want to ask you is that how do you deal with a situation where uh, you know you live like a country like this one that entrepreneurs get gets around. 40 or 50% tax rates and you know they need to escape or move out from Spain to somewhere else like Andorra like I mentioned or, or Portugal basically because it's the, the, the government is taking uh, from you around half of your income right so <laughs> yeah well first of all government is shooting themselves in the knee uh, as you mentioned they're losing talent they're losing capital because like they scare people with their taxes and what people are going to do, they're going to leave and they're going to take their capital and the fruits of their labor elsewhere. That's the whole thesis of flat theory, basically. And um, if you're familiar with the book Sovereign Individual, they talk a lot about this specific concept when mm. government will start to compete for capital, for fruits of our labor, for citizens to come to their country. And that's where El Salvador is kind of leading the way right now. Yeah. And that's, what Plan B Passports philosophy is all about. Basically, by taking this decision into your own hands and realizing that, okay, this government doesn't serve me in the way I wish. They take too much of my money. They provide too little of services. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. And you do that. And um, there's a saying, vote with your money, vote with your feet, vote with your money. That's what they're doing. They take their, their capital elsewhere. So that basically forces nation state to become uh, like to play the capitalist card, right? To actually compete for us, the citizens. And how they're going to compete by lowering the price and um, hiring the quality of their services. 
that's basically what capitalism is. And uh, I'm all about it. I want pure capitalism between nation states because then they're actually motivated to do better, to be more efficient, to take less money from you. Um, and that would be a beautiful concept. I'm sure it would be a, a, um, a force of a progress with the way we operate with governments. So that's that's pretty cool. And again, that's one way to look at it. The other way you ask me, how do you deal with that? Well, disclaimer, I'm not a tax advisor. I'm not an accountant by any means. But the flat theory comes into play really well. Let's say um, you're an online business or a content creator. Your legal entity does not have to be in the same country as you live. And the corporate taxes that you pay in your country are might be much higher than in another country where it's super easy to set up a legal entity. So you move your business elsewhere. The the team is fully decentralized. There's no headquarters. There's no office. It's uh, it's a fully online business. Um, and then you just need to be smart about how you distribute dividends. Again, there are so many legal, absolute legal ways to lower your taxes, to decrease your tax obligations. People just need to get educated and take advantage of the system by following their own rules, just applying them to your own situation better. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, okay, <laughs> going deeper into the subject, I think it's uh, now that we talk a little bit about all of this. So, I mean, the, the next question should be that, what is uh, what is Plan B Passport and what is the process and which countries are you working on? With? Yeah, so we are an immigration consulting firm. We are focused specifically on Bitcoiners because we understand the audience really well because we are the Bitcoiners too. Uh, yeah. So we know, we know the goals, we know the needs of this audience. We know the roadblocks of the, that this audience runs into when trying to immigrate, et cetera. Um, so basically the way it works, somebody comes over to our website, they can either schedule a call right away that is free, or they can fill out the application, letting us know what they're trying to achieve. Um, based on that, let's say we're, we're on a schedule call, just like you and I talking on Zoom. That's how it works. Um, we go over all your goals and needs, your family situation, your current passports and residencies. And then together we brainstorm on what could potentially solve, solve your problems or mitigate your threats, your attack vectors. Um, so during the 30 minutes call, we probably are going to either come up with a very certain plan or at least understand the direction in which you can keep moving and like do a little more research. Now, most of our offerings come with citizenship by investment. So we don't work with traditional immigration based on job or business, et cetera. We work with investment programs. Okay. There are six countries in the world that currently offer citizenship by investment, um, like straight pass to citizenship. Let me, let me clarify. Basically, it's you donating into government's fund or purchasing real estate in the country. And on this basis, you obtain a passport. So once we navigated the strategy of it and we realized, okay, this is your perfect jurisdiction, we basically create a checklist of all the documents that need to be collected for your case specifically. We fill up all the government forms. We put the case together for you and submit it to the island. So... Um, we're basically just holding your hand throughout the process, preparing all the forms, communicating with the government regarding your case. And then depending on the jurisdiction, five to 12 months later, you get passport in the mail. Cool. Um, you don't have to visit the island. You don't have to live on the island, um, especially with the countries that we work with. Most of them do not uh, require any visitation at all. Um, yeah, that's what we do. And the jurisdiction you asked. So five uh -huh. Caribbean islands, St. Kitts, Antigua, Dominica, Grenada, St. Lucia. Turkey is one of our offerings too. There is another jurisdiction, Vanuatu, that I prefer not to work with because their passport is continuously losing um, power. So I, would, I wouldn't say it's part of our offerings. We also work with a couple of presidencies, one of which is Mexico right okay. now, and also um, UIE. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, there's a lot. And uh, who can apply? And I mean, what are... Uh... Anybody can be qualified for those programs. 
Okay. So you you need to be able to show where the money for the donation came from. Mm-hmm. That's basically one of the criteria. Well, mm-hmm. you need to be able to afford donation or real estate investment. That's another criteria, of course. You okay. need to make sure that you don't have a criminal background that would prevent you from uh, getting this, those passports, like DUI, like driving under influence. That would not be like that would be just fine with those programs. Some small misdemeanors would be fine, but hardcore criminal record would probably disqualify you from becoming a citizen. Hmm. Um, yeah, and then you just need to make sure that you are capable of providing all the information and all the documents that, that the case will require. Uh, it's pretty ex- pretty extensive document um, document package. But again, we will hold your hand throughout the process. Um, and yeah, five to 12 months and you got a new passport. Okay. Do you mention, um, well, what you were explaining at the beginning, uh, what are some of the benefits, especially with the uh, explain the flag theory, but just to condense, what are the benefits of getting a second pa- passport for people that they are cons- already considering, all Bitcoiners that are listening? So. Yeah, the big one is, of course, a plan B passport. An exit strategy would be another way to explain it, or insurance policy. Bitcoiners tend to not trust their governments. Um, So um, if you want to hedge against a potential scenario where the government comes after you, comes after your Bitcoin, or there is a civil unrest in a country, or just some political bullshit going on and you don't want to take a part of it, you can always get the fuck out with your plan B passport. So this plan B passport is just a plan B for you. Hence the name of our company. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Okay. Um, And other reasons, the actual immigration, they're moving into the country where they want to have the passport from visa-free access. As somebody coming from Latin America, you probably know that some passports are pretty weak. You can't travel anywhere. You can travel Mm -hmm. only in Latin America and that's about it. Um, so Caribbean passports are pretty powerful, 160 countries visa free. So that's great. Uh, another reason lowering the tax burden. That's a huge one too. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's about it. Okay, cool. So, uh, now speaking about, uh, about your article, uh, I, I loved your article that you, the one that you wrote in Bitcoin magazine about the citizen is a proposal for citizenship by investment uh for el salvador right now uh it it is residency that are that are we so i don't know if well before i ask you about what what is your proposal um what is the difference between the residency by by investment i guess and 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 the other one yeah, so again, a little history about it. The moment El Salvador announced Bitcoin as a legal tender, the mm-hmm. next day I was calling the immigration unit of El Salvador and in my broken Spanish trying to understand what programs we can look into, how we can move to El Salvador, etc. And at the time, they never heard of Bitcoin still. It was so new. It was just an announcement about legal tender. It wasn't part of the the actual law yet. So they were barely familiar with what I'm talking about. Then later on, when El Salvador came out with Volcano Bonds, at the very last row in the in the table that we all seen on stage in El Salvador, there was three BTC residency. And this actually never came to reality. So many people think that El Salvador currently offers residency for three Bitcoin. That's not the case. They announced mm-hmm. it. They talked about it. This program was not currently implemented. Okay. There are other programs that Bitcoiners can utilize at the moment, such a digital nomad visa, basically proving that you work online, you make a certain amount of money. It's like a traditional financial solvency visa that many people, many countries in Latin America have. So if you can prove that you make, I believe it's something like $3,500, maybe even less uh, a month per mm-hmm. family. Sorry, too much talking. <laughs> and um, and that's how you get the residency down there. Oh, okay. Bitcoiners actually want passport, especially American Bitcoiners who want to get out of America and renounce their U.S. citizenship. 
they really want a second passport. Um, having a residency, okay, now the difference between residency and citizenship. So citizenship and passport basically go hand in hand. Every citizen is um, qualified to have a passport, almost every citizen. Mm -hmm. Residency is just the right to live in the country, to um, utilize country services. You basically, you're pretty close to a citizen. You can't vote, you can't do a few more things, but you, um, it is not a travel document. Basically, it's your approval of living in a country long term, right? You can't travel on this document. You can only enter the country and leave there. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so now uh, let's talk about the 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 your, your proposal. Uh, uh, it was I think last week or so that it yeah. was published on Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, we already saw that uh, Najib Bukele saw it, so maybe he will be interested in that. Uh, so I think it is important to understand what is your proposal, especially I think uh, for, I think for both points of view, right? For Bitcoiners, uh, people that are interested in going to El Salvador and leave the uh, Bitcoin, the circular Bitcoin economy. And then Salvadorians that they will, of course they will ask what is that and what benefits could be basically for both parts. So. And I, I know it's it's long, so maybe we we can go in parts. So yeah, I know you already explained it in Bitcoin magazine, but uh, let's face it, not everyone <laughs> read articles. So maybe you could explain what is your proposal for El Salvador. Yeah. So in my article, the way I started it is by basically showing how El Salvador has already taken a lot of steps to attract citizens to live in El Salvador. As you may know, El Salvador had the highest rate of expatriating out of the country. People were living a lot, huge rates. And now it's almost evened out as many people leave as, as um, how many people come in and to live in the country, which is huge. Like changing that in a matter of three years, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. So um, again, making Bitcoin a legal tender in a country attracted huge amount of capital and interest towards the country. Now, there was a new um, bill showing that they're trying to lower taxes for uh, corporate entities that are yeah. working in the tech industry. That's huge, too. That's how you attract capital. That's how you attract talent that builds big things. Um, so that's another one. And I just went along with this, like, how else can El Salvador bring more capital, bring more people into the country um, and thrive? Citizenship by investment, it's so familiar to me that I saw an opportunity for El Salvador to just launch a very similar citizenship by investment program as the ones that are out there in the world. So the the countries that currently lead the citizenship by investment industry, probably the best example would be St. Kitts. Okay. Um, what are St. Kitts? And, and basically... I compared El Salvador's passport and the quality of life and everything to the passport of St. Kitts, their quality of life and uh, everything that comes with citizenship by investment program and tried to understand, can El Salvador compete with those Caribbean's program? What could they do in order to compete better? And like, of course, in my head, I can talk about it for hours just because, you know, I do it on a daily basis, but I tried to make it very clear in the article, very short on the fact that the passport of El Salvador is pretty similar in its power to Caribbean passport. Yes, they don't have zero capital gains taxes yet, zero income taxes yet. Um, but that's not always the reason people get those passports. So um, they just need to understand what they're willing to let go of or whatnot. And then I also mentioned how, what are the roadblocks that Bitcoiners run into um, when applying to citizenship by investment program. By the way, El Salvador passport has almost as many countries visa-free as St. Kitts passport. So <clears throat> travel-wise, it's a pretty powerful passport, which is great. Now, what else can El Salvador do better in order to compete in the world of citizenship investments? Huge part is being able to pay with Bitcoin. None of the countries in the world currently legally allow to pay the donation or real estate with Bitcoin. Well, real estate... Um, they do just some um, private companies, they allow that. 
Okay. Uh, but you cannot pay the fees to the government in Bitcoin. That's one thing that could be solved easily. Um, El Salvador understands Bitcoin. El Salvador's uh, government entities already accept Bitcoin for services, even at the border through immigration, you can pay with Lightning. So that's huge. Now, second roadblock that Bitcoin is running into is source of funds and proof of funds. Many of us made our capital by investing in Bitcoin early, buying it off the guy on the street, so you don't have receipts for it, right? Second thing is source of funds and proof of funds. Many of us made our capital by buying Bitcoin early and just holding on to that. And there's no receipts whatsoever um, that I can show to the government to prove that I made this money just simply by holding Bitcoin. What they want to know is that you didn't make those money by selling cocaine on the street, but like try and prove it, <laughs> right, with Bitcoin. <laughs> So um, just being able to verify addresses, look at the blockchain history and understand, okay, this is where this person bought Bitcoin. They can still sign a message to prove that they still own this Bitcoin. We can see all the transactions. Like this is so over the head of Caribbean governments. I've tried to explain signing the message for proof of funds, like to basically prove that you actually own that Bitcoin so many times. Absolutely no luck. Maybe it's on me, maybe it's on them for not being actually interested. But again, El Salvador has already solved this program, this problem. They understand Bitcoin. Um, they can implement programs like this. They can implement tech um, in order to be able to verify things like that. So that's huge too. And now they basically just need to implement the operations the right way to make sure the due diligence is pretty good. Because if it's, if their due diligence sucks, like uh, we have again great example of Vanuatu, if their due diligence is really bad, the other countries will realize it very soon, and they will pull their special treaty with El Salvador, uh, meaning that El Salvador will lose visa free access to many countries. So bad due diligence causes distrust from your allies in the world, causing your passport to become weaker. So, again, it's a really hard concept, concept to understand, I think, for people not in the industry. But very specific example, Vanuatu kept giving passport to anybody. If your criminal record was a little dirty, you could have just paid an extra $10,000 and they would still let you go through. Mm -hmm. And um, people realized it. Um, other countries realized it. And... Vanuatu used to have visa-free access to Europe Union, no longer. They pulled it out. They said anybody who received passport received passport from 2017 and later will not have access to Europe Union. And uh, El Salvador clearly doesn't want this to happen. Having mm -hmm. a powerful passport is a great thing, especially for citizenship investment program. So uh, they need to be careful of that. They need to implement pretty good due diligence process that will also provide privacy and confidentiality of the process right like i'm willing to provide you my information if you promise that will never leak you will not um you will not disclose the fact that i'm getting a passport from your country to anybody else that needs to be done too so like a lot of privacy concerns come into place with due diligence just like you know kyc and, and all the mm -hmm. all the problems around it but mm -hmm. here you also deal with like actual government paperwork so you're SKYC doesn't get basically. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's something they need to make sure. After that, I also know how some countries like St. Kitts right now so delayed with their applications, so backlogged that it takes like a year, over a year for people to get approvals for their citizenship by investment program. Wow. And this is ridiculous. This is not something um, El Salvador should do. They should really streamline the processing to make sure that they provide an approval in a matter of like three months, no more. And, mm -hmm. you know, governments are inefficient. They can do things quick. They can be, you know, just like small businesses. They don't have to compete as much. So they're, they're pretty bad with their operations. So for El Salvador, that's an opportunity. They starting this program from scratch. They don't have a history of having bad operations and having, terrible uh tech behind it they can build it great and make it like pretty efficient so that will be another thing they need to 
they need to look into. And again, I'm willing to help as much as I can. I'm I'm very inspired by what El Salvador is doing with Bitcoin, making the legal tenders huge. They really are leading the nation state entrance into Bitcoin, um, which I'm very anti-politics. I don't care about governments and nation states, um, but I still admire what they do a lot because and it's it's beautiful. Just uh, cool to see how on such a big scale people care about Bitcoin and understand the value of it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm willing to help. I want to try and outline the full program the way it will really work great. So hopefully we will see uh, a yeah. result or really soon. And I really want to see that, um, uh, if it is a, a group proposal that get passed through and, uh, yeah. because I think it's beneficial for both parts, right. For, for yeah. Bitcoiners and especially for El Salvador to, to get, um, uh, I think that for us, as you mentioned, uh, for uh, several decades, years, we we had this um, escape from good talent, and and now we're well, apparently, and hopefully, that's what the government is doing, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a really good opportunity, and uh, we will see, and uh, and uh, well, uh, I really I wish that. Uh-huh. I also mentioned in the article how financially beneficial it could be for the country. So I did huge research on the numbers to understand how much money the Caribbeans actually make off of these programs. And my estimates is around $2.5 billion. Wow. And I believe that El Salvador can absolutely crush this market, become a leader pretty quickly. If they do it right, they yeah. will get there in a matter of two, three years just by, you know, gaining trust. That's one thing that they need to work on as well. Yeah, gaining trust specifically for the program, not for the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and two and a half billion is like over 7% of El Salvador's GDP. Like that's huge. One government policy that can bring in 7% GDP, like that's, that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And- and that in just one sector, because then it's tourism and working and yeah. so on. So uh, maybe anything that that you want to add that I know an article is really limited because we <laughs> we, are, we have just a couple of characters to express our ideas. But, you know, this is a podcast. So maybe there is something that you didn't mention in the article and that you want to express here that Bitcoiners or Salvadorians need or even the government, if Nayib Bukele, hopefully <laughs> watch this episode that they need to know. I'm preparing another piece that is going to be much larger than that, really going in depth of, in depth of every part of um of the operations of the citizenship by investment program and how I see it for El Salvador specifically. Okay. Uh, so you'll definitely see it soon. Um, I'm also currently planning my trip to El Salvador. Um, probably I'm going to end up there in the next couple of months. Cool. And I absolutely love Latin America. I lived in Mexico for a year and a half myself. Oh. Uh, cool. So I'm pretty excited to go down there. You have to try for process. I know we're talking about something else. <laughs> No, street tacos were my dinner almost like at least two, three times a week uh, oh. in, in Mexico. I was eating as street tacos or mangoes with like paprika spices or chili spices. Oh, that's good. And we have a, now that you mentioned mangoes, uh, there's a beach that I think is Mahawal. If if I if I say this wrong, the Salvadorans are going to kill me. But I think it's the Mahawal <laughs> that uh, they have... Uh, street mangoes that are made like a roses and they're really good and they put anything you want but they're really cool so you should yeah i'm going to bitcoin beach definitely when Mm. i'm down there gonna surf a little yeah i'm pretty excited about this trip for sure okay oh you know do you know how to surf well i'm a snowboarder like uh, i was uh competing at snowboarding i was an instructor i also a wakeboarder so i do a lot of wakeboarding uh, these days because i'm in texas not much snowboarding cool. here so mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure that i can get on a surf quite easily i just need a little practice because i i literally rode every board in the world except for a surf okay cool uh you live in texas so uh, 
I didn't prepare this question, but now that you mentioned that that you're working and that, that you live in Texas, uh, did you read the article that New York uh, Times uh, published uh, a couple of days ago? Oh no. Yeah. Okay, so it was it was about critique. Um, it was like uh, the result of they said like a research about Bitcoin mining and, uh, it, but it was totally wrong. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I understand what articles you're talking about. Yeah, the CO2 from Bitcoin mining. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, that's, um, that's the way I, I keep seeing how journalism is dead in a way, because we used to have great journalists trying to do research on precise topics that are not necessarily good at to try and deliver it to the masses. But now we have internet where the industry leaders, industry experts themselves, can publish those articles, go viral, actually bring it to the masses. And it's like, what's the point of journalism if there are actual experts writing about their own topic much better? And like, yeah, there are still really, really good people who who write so much better than any expert can. Um, but like New York Times, that's, we're past that. We're so past that. Yeah, actually I brought uh, last week, no, yeah, last week it was the show, but I published this week. I brought uh, Margot Pais that in Twitter is Ginorso. And mm -hmm. uh, we, we talked uh, about this and uh, because, well, she explained really well about uh, Bitcoin mining and how there are alternatives for Bitcoin mining. And, and even that it's not, it's not uh, that bad for the environment. I think it's less than 1%. So, I mean, the, the media is making a pretty... Not good. I I want. I don't want to say great job, but they are pushing to make all this misconception about Bitcoin, and they are all wrong because it's really quick. You know, Bitcoiners we said don't trust verified. So if you verify, guys, you will know that this this is not true. And <laughs> so, um, going back to the to what we were discussing about citizenship citizenship by investment, and uh. By the way, I'm, I'm really conscious of about our time. I think we have like ten minutes or so. Mm -hmm. uh, but in also in the article, just suggest that El Salvador uh, should take a, a cautious approach to using Bitcoin in in this citizenship by investment program, and should ensure that proper regulations are in, in place. Right. So. Uh, what do you think about what are specific regulations or safeguards do you think are necessary to ensure the safe and responsibility use of Bitcoin in in, the, in this context? So you already know how many countries in the world got kind of unhappy with Bitcoin becoming a legal tender in El Salvador. Mm -hmm. Now, the uh, it's almost great thing that El Salvador is a pretty small country because they may disregard like, oh, it's just El Salvador. It's a, it's a tiny country. It's not cool that they made it happen, but whatever, they're small. So it's like being small by mighty, but mighty. It's like people don't pay enough attention to you. So you have the opportunity of doing things that like a big country wouldn't be able to do. So, um, and while you see how a lot of countries were still unhappy, like I think that the citizenship by investment program would make it even worse in many, many ways. Like Caribbean countries constantly have to come out with like official responses to make sure they're playing the right game with other jurisdictions in the world to make sure that they don't lose those relationships. I believe if the program is implemented right, no relationship will be hurt. Like, again, good due diligence, very clear requirements on who will not be accepted through the program based on um, some criminal background checks, etc. And again, I hate to say that, honestly, because like, who are the judges? Half of the criminal records, I think, should not exist like what you... I don't know, smoking plant like that grows on the land, like whatever. What does government have to say about your body and what you do with that? I hate mm -hmm. it. But in order to keep a relationship between governments, they kind of have to play this game. So they need to very clear come out and say that 
those are the people that won't be able to go through our program because of that. Um, and again, if if they go through all the questions, all the right points that other countries care about, they will not lose any relationship. Um, and that's what we want to see, of course. Okay. And uh, okay, so I think people should think uh, or will think about getting a second passport. Now, especially in current times that <laughs> we see a lot of inflation and the government's printing money, especially in the US. Well, here in Europe, it's kind of the same thing. So <laughs> I think all over all over the world. So uh, what advice will you give to individuals, individuals, Bitcoiners, um, whoever uh, that are considering person as a passport and what factors should they consider before making this huge decision, right? <laughs> yeah. So first thing that I want to tell to all Bitcoiners and preppers and anarchists and this kind of type of freedom people is that make sure you don't make hating the government and trying to hedge the game against the government the goal of your life. This is not what life is about. Yes, we have great tools. Bitcoin is a great tool to live your life happier, more efficient, make things greater for you and your family. Same deal with second passport. Don't make don't make second passport a goal. It's a tool in your freedom toolbox. So I'm um, and like I see Bitcoiners going through cycles where it's like you're getting absolutely obsessed with Bitcoin and you see nothing in the world. You absolutely shut yourself down from anything else, all the opportunities that are still coming your way. And you think the only thing you can do is Bitcoin. So don't do that to yourself. Um like life is absolutely beautiful with or without Bitcoin. It's much better with Bitcoin, but again, that's just a tool. Um, so that's one thing uh, that I want to say just in overall with two old Bitcoiners. But another thing, specifically, if you want a second passport, if you realize that you don't trust your government, you want more security for your family, you want to plan the option and exit strategy. There are so many different um, immigration options. Um, like, again, I work specifically on citizenship by investment programs, and there are a lot of benefits that comes specifically with those programs. You don't have to visit the island. You don't have to leave anywhere. You don't have to prove any specific skills. You don't have to you don't have to be anybody. You just have to be able to purchase a passport, basically, right? So that's great. But also, um, you can try and look into your ancestors. You can see if you have roots from... Ireland, let's say they're pretty good with their um, ancestry program. Uh, basically, any country in Europe, they will provide you with a passport if your grandma was born there and things like that. It's much harder. It's much longer. You have to have a local lawyer to help you navigate all those um, documents, basically. Um, so look into that. There's also birth tourism where you can have a baby in another country and you both you and your wife have to be happy in order uh, have to be crazy in order to <laughs> say yes to that but if you are like that's an option go have a baby in Latin America <laughs> countries that will qualify baby right away for citizenship the parents will get residency right away and then a year or two years later they will get citizenship too like that's an option as well <laughs> so there are opportunities, other ways to get residency and then later on, five years later or so, citizenship. Um, look around, reach out on Twitter, ask questions, happy to answer. Okay, perfect. And I think uh, this, is, this is going to be the last question, but it's going to be in two parts, so two questions in one. <laughs> uh, one is, um, what are you currently working on besides the everything that we discussed on? on El Salvador, uh, the CVI, and uh, your goals for this year, and where can, especially where people can find you or stay up to date with, with your company and everything that you're doing. Absolutely. Well, um, Plan B Passport is a huge part of my life, but even bigger part of my life is my family. Um, I have a one-year-old baby, and I hope to grow my family further from here. I hope to have at least three more kids. So that's something that is on my radars all the time. Congrats um, on your baby, by the way. I don't know thanks. if I said I'm absolutely I loving being a mother. It's one of the best things in the world. And I honestly became such 
uh, I became much much worse of a Bitcoiner ever since I had. I used to, you know, run a node, be up to date with everything that's going on in the developments, uh, participate in the community so much more. But now I'm so much more focused on my son, which Absolutely. that's I think that's the right way to set priorities for myself. Then um, also in out in August we are hosting an event here in Austin, Texas called the Underground Citadel, and that's basically bringing together all the topics, all the rabbit holes that are philosophically aligned with Bitcoin. So we were talking about, it's a fourth one, actually, fourth annual Underground Citadel. I've been running this event for four years now. So we talk about unschooling or alternative education for kids, uh, alternative medical approach to your health. Uh, We're talking about uh, printing guns on a 3D printer, uh, growing food on your backyard and things like that. Basically, all the things that bring back power to the individual. Um, yeah, that's going to be at the Underground Citadel. Um, that sounds Theundergroundcitadel.com. You can check out more topics there. So pretty excited about that. Also, I'm going to be in Europe for about three weeks this June. Um, I'm hoping to be in El Salvador for a week or so pretty soon as well. Um, yeah, excited. Cool, cool. And where can they find you? Oh, I'm going to leave the... The, yeah, uh, the things yeah. Are... The best way to reach out to me would be um on Twitter. I'm Katie the Russian on Twitter. You can also reach out to me via email, Katie at planbpassport.com and check out our website. Uh, we have like application forms if you want to ask questions there. It's again planbpassport.com. Perfect, Katie, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here and explaining to us everything related to Plan B Passport CBI and what you work on, what you're working on, and even El Salvador. I hope that this passed through and it, it becomes way, way better uh, for 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 everyone. And it's because it's really beneficial and uh, for Bitcoiners and everyone and El Salvador also bringing back talent. <laughs> so thank you for your thank time. You. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Guys, see you next week. Ciao.